0: When I was baptised in the Holy Spirit in 1974, there were certain things I was expecting and praying for. Of course, you wanted power. You know, you wanted the power of the Holy Spirit and you wanted to speak in tongues, you know, gifts of the Spirit. And basically what I was expecting was basically the release of tongues. But when, but of course, it didn't come the first time we prayed. I, I was with others and, they received a baptism. They started speaking in tongues, but I didn't. I had to keep pray on, pray on. Five days. But it seems like the hungrier you are, or perhaps the more the Lord wants to give you, the more he'll hold out on you. It's those who persevere that get more than those who seem to get through easily and quickly. I've had people over the years come to me and say they were praying and praying over this or that and not getting anywhere, and I said, oh, that's good news. (laughs) This is great, you know. means he wants to give you more than you're asking for. (laughs) So, uh, well, you've got to take encouragement, you know, from all of that. Strengthened from every last prayer, you know. Well, I got more. when When the Holy Spirit fell on me, I got more than I was expecting. I got some things I didn't even know were in it. The tongues itself was extremely powerful, you talk about clobbered with that, you you talk about a gusher but it came with along a whole lot of other stuff which I uh, found out as I went along was there. The interesting thing was I go to uh, prayers the next morning they uh, they announced a song and I opened the songbook, and and the words just stood off the page like there was a huge magnifying glass over it. Oh, you know, the power and the meaning. Same thing happened when I opened the Bible that day. Just It's like suddenly the words got real big. Something was going on. But see, I was given power that I, I didn't understand or know much about. Not long after that, some of us cadets, because this is my first year in Selfish Navy College, right, we, we got sent to Dubba. You're always getting sent somewhere, usually to sing or to, or to preach or, you know, uh, lead souls to Christ, you know, witness on the streets. We were always sent out to do a lot of that. The interesting thing is that, they, and the Selfish Navy keeps careful records, you know, how many decisions are made, how many people come to Christ. There were 31 of us in that session, 11 of us ended up baptized in the spirit, and in the course of a year, Quite a lot of people led to the Lord. Almost every last one of them was led by those 11 who had the power of the Spirit. But we got sent to Dubbo and one of the things we had to do there was stand on the back of a truck in the main street and sing and testify, you know, over their meetings and all of that. But while we're there at the Salvation Hall one day, this young woman, 30 odd, you know, terrible drug addict, really a street girl, comes in, you know, desperate about life, looking for help, and so we, we gathered to pray for her and so service somebody has a table down the front called the Holiness Table with this red banner across it, you know, Holiness Unto the Lord. And we, we knelt around the Holiness Table. So she knelt there with us and a bunch of us cadets and the officer. So we we're all praying, praying for her. Now, this, these were not healing prayers and these were not deliverance prayers because we didn't know anything about that. You, you know, in all those years of reading my Bible and being in church, We never thought twice that a demon might actually exist. It just didn't occur. Funny thing is you can read it in the Bible but it doesn't translate into real life when you're in the wrong culture and we happen to be in a denominational culture where that thing just wasn't ever thought of never taught of so you actually have blinkers on you can read your Bible and not see the obvious. It's like Jesus said to the Pharisees your your traditions have a fine way of nullifying the Word of God. They're nullifying its effect. It's true of all of us. Your assumptions, the thing you believe, the culture you live in will, will put the blinkers on you, and it's why you need more of the Holy Ghost. However, we're praying around this table, and when, when I prayed my prayer, somewhere in that prayer I just mentioned the devil, or mentioned Satan, one or the other. It was no great prayer, just, must have been just some little thing in there about, Lord, you know, would you deliver her from the power of the devil? But I noticed the moment I said that name, she shook and, and, and throbbed a bit, a little sob. And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, like there was a reaction there. So I, I doubled around in prayer and prayed a few more things on that theme, you know, but these were just general prayers. We never knew how to pray a deliverance prayer or healing prayer. But she was totally healed. And she flushed the drugs down the toilet, totally converted, it was, like a, it was like a side effect, because it, it wasn't, didn't come from direct ministry other than the fact that we'd gathered to pray for her. The, the miracle was a side effect from the power of the Holy Spirit that had been given to me. And I've seen a lot of those. Like it's like life has been full of them, they, just, they come all the time. Uh, side effect, uh, you know, incidental miracles. Aside from the ones you seek and you get those too. But I, really, I'm arguing in favor of us all, getting back to really seeking the Lord. We live in a culture that's not listening. You know, other parts of the world, you can go preach in Cambodia, you can go preach in Africa. People will listen. They'll come to Christ easily. I remember in Cambodia once, I got asked to come out to a, a little church that met in a village, and the, the house was high up on stilts, you know. and We had this little Christian meeting under the house, and uh, we went out there on the back of motorcycles, three of us, you know, you 20 cents and they give you a ride and you're, you're on the back, but you're not allowed to hold on, not allowed to touch them, you know, just, it works. And uh, so we make this journey into the country, this little meeting under the house. Well, the three drivers of these motorcycles, they weren't even in the meeting, they're out in the backyard languishing, leaning on the back fence talking to each other while we had our meeting. And I was supposed to preach, and I preached what I thought was the worst message of my life. It was actually a good word, but it just didn't seem to come, you know. And uh, still, nevertheless, brought the word. <laughs> and the meeting's over. Those three guys came in and all got saved. And they weren't even in the meeting. Now, this is the spirit of God. See? So you can go places like that, you get outcomes. At right now in the world today, you know, mission, evangelism, very powerful. But right here where you live and I live, or most of us live, nobody's listening. So I think, well, we we need the baptism of the Spirit all over again, but at another level. I'll have more to say about that specifically later. What I wanted to deal with this morning was this. I got thinking in the weeks leading up to this summit and realizing that uh, I I have graces which I freely use, but I won't be here forever. I might be here for another 30 years. Or, as Moses might say, you know, if you have the strength, another 40. But, and that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Well, might be nice for me, might not be nice for you. Uh, and, and um, you know, we'll see. Like, it's, I remember, I remember hearing a, a fellow say in public once, now, he was, it was a joke, right? That was, I thought it was a very funny joke. He says, I'm going to live to be 120 or die trying. <laughs> that was an American fellow. It was a good, a good American joke. <laughs> And uh, and he did. <clears throat> so, which one you ask? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he got well into his eighties, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I turned seventy-one two days ago. I've had the cake to prove it, you know. I'm racking up the numbers now, and I don't mind. I like that. Oh, you, know, you get more proud the older you get, the more proud to get of it. But um, at least some of us do. We got a lady in the church here. She won't tell anybody how old she is. You've got to guess. Yeah, they know. <laughs> yeah, we can guess, surely. We're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> the only clue we have is that she, she married a fellow who was older than she was. We know what age he was. But <laughs> So there's a limit A limit there, Upper limit. Anyway, back to the subject. Um, I said last night, uh, put this scripture up for me, please. 1 Corinthians 4, 19, 20. I said last night, if anything, this is going to be a theme. This has become a theme for our supper, an unplanned theme, really, where Paul says, I'll come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I'll find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Now, obviously, there has to be a lot of words in the kingdom. We preach the word of God. There has to be truth. There has to be teaching. Jesus taught a lot. So this is not saying that the talk is empty. But what it's implying is that if there isn't a grace in the talk, if there isn't anointing, if the power of the spirit is in it, then the talk is vacuous. It, it's, it's empty, it becomes it just becomes a lot of talk. No, the kingdom of God is meant to have real grace flowing. And the truth is, if you're born again, you are given grace. If you're filled with the spirit, you're given grace. In fact, any, any anointing you have, any ministry you have, any gift you have, you have grace and therefore you have power because you never get grace without power, it's the same thing. But how much more might you have if we stopped every now and again and said, Lord, this is nowhere near enough and, and I, I need a whole lot more than what I've got and really make it a thing in your heart. Anyway, I got thinking that, uh, you know, I have gifts. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord for a whole new level of things myself So I expect to be around long enough to make use of fresh grace, fresh power, fresh anointing. Nevertheless, right now I have stuff that I believe I can impart, that is I can give you, that it can be multiplied. And um, some of you might already have these things and not need any more of that particular thing, who knows. But still, uh, what I have, the the target audience I have in a sense are the pastors and leaders and the preachers. Now, the beautiful thing with impartation, or if you like, with miracles and grace and anointings, is that any believer may ask for it, any believer may receive, any believer may exercise what the Bible calls the powers of the coming age. Any believer. Jesus did not say apostles who believe in me, or or the fivefold ministers who believe in me, he said, Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing and greater things than these. So really there is no limit on any of you. And so anyone here today, anyone listening online to the, minute, the message live or anybody listening in a month for that matter. You can make it your business to believe God and receive of the anointing that I will, will be in my prayers and I will pray release but I don't have time to pray individually for everybody, but I'm hoping that at least with pastors of churches and and other ministers who are present, we may be able to more specifically believe for real authority to be established in you for the coming days. So anyway, apostolic gifts I can impart, but I I want to just make the point that there's a whole chapter in my book, I think it's the second chapter, in which I make it plain that apostolic gifts are not restricted to apostles, that any Christian believer can possess and exercise, have power in the use of an apostolic gift. Just what it means, of course, on the other hand, is just because people have apostolic gifts does not make them an apostle. Any believer can prophesy for that matter, but it doesn't make you a prophet. There's a special sense in which the Lord appoints people specifically to be apostles and prophets, and it's not most people. But any believer can exercise the giftedness that is in these ministries, and that means you. So we're gonna devote these two mornings to the practical issue of these graces and powers. What you should understand though is that the Christian believer, and even more especially the Christian minister, probably shouldn't be making the distinction really we're all ministers but someone someone called the leadership shall we say in the body of Christ you need to understand that you need power to impart in other words first thing I'm going to teach you is that you you have or you can have grace to give gifts to give anointings to other people It's really one of the important things a pastor should learn to do is to be able to pray and place upon other people anointings. That's the first thing I'll explain. And so obviously if you you need power, power must have been given you to have the power to give a gift to another person. Now that makes sense and nobody would dispute it. What's not so well known is that you actually need power to receive it so in other words whether you are giving it or receiving grace you need power that I might need to prove but uh, Paul is pretty clear on the point anyway we've said here we've taken him at his word here first of all that there's something very important about power if we're talking about the kingdom of of God so for example uh, years ago and it was uh, well before 92 it might have been 1990, 1991, we had a lady come join our church, she'd retired, she'd been a nurse, she'd been a missionary nurse as well as a nurse here in Australia, her name was Ruth, and she came and saw me in my office one day over in High Street, and and she said, John, for two years I've been praying for all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but nothing's happened, I haven't got any gifts yet, and I said to her, Ruth, quit praying for all nine, start believing right now for prophecy prophecy is for you i laid my hand on her and released the gift of prophecy within 24 hours she started prophesying and you know it was a huge blessing to her it was a huge blessing to us all in fact she was every single day in our early morning prayer meetings uh, often she and i were the only one some of the greatest victories we had was when you know i'd i'd get into prayer over something she'd be there backing me up so but that that's an impartation where in other words i had authority place hands on her, activate the gift. The gift and calling was probably already in her and just took a word of authority to activate the thing, but just as easily on other occasions to give something to someone they don't even have, but can have or are meant to have. So this is impartation. And uh, okay, you need power to do that, but in these mornings, we're going to think about the powers uh, you need to have to give to other people. But in the evenings we're going to think more about the power you need to have to receive things from the Lord. So, you know, I, I've got to be careful because I, I keep crossing backwards and forwards <laughs> over these two things. But let me just make the point about the power you need to receive first of all. We come back to that later. So here's, because um, you're all very familiar with Romans 1 11, where Paul says, I long to see that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts. So, It's obviously the impartation of spiritual gifts from those who have authority that's obviously clear in Scripture. But if we go here Ephesians 3 and verses 16 to 19, and it might pop up on the screen in a moment, Paul writes that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man. That power there is, is you know dynamis, that's you know, dynamite power, but strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Oh, so to have, the, to have a greater sense of Christ dwelling within, you need to be given strength by his power. That's what it says. You, you need to be given power to receive more of Christ. And then it goes on, though, uh, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. So you actually need power, this same strength that takes the power of God to get you there, just so, now another translation would say, give you the power the power to grasp. You know, it's like, in other words, you know when you, people say, oh, I get it. It turns out in spiritual things, that takes power. It takes power to understand. But the whole point about this kind of understanding is that when you're flooded with understanding, it's actually a grace or an anointing that causes you to live differently, think differently, see differently. There's power on both sides of it. It's like a power sandwich. You need need power to get it, but it's power you get. So this is very, very important. And um, there's a little line here too, may have strength to comprehend or, if you like, the power to grasp together with all the saints, but we'll come back and deal with it later. And what are you grasping? Well, in this verse, you're grasping the breadth and length and height and depth of Jesus' love and to know a love that passes knowledge and come to the fullness of God. I mean, there's really something here. And um, there's a similar passage in Colossians. And, um, but if we, go, if we just look at the Ephesians 1 verse for a moment, verse 18 um, and, and 19, he talks here, this is the same prayer, but earlier in it, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. See, to have the eyes of your heart enlightened, that, that takes the hand of God. I mean, if, you, if the eyes of your heart are going to be able to see. Oh, but we're talking special seeing. The under. Oh, I see. But to this kind of seeing means you've received. Oh, you've received something which is astounding and has empowered you and repositioned you. you, you so when we talk the spirit of understanding, we're, talk, we're talking a huge grace that changes you. This is why it's power. Well, this particular thing, it takes God to enlighten your heart so that so that you not only see it, you, you've got it. You know, the seeing implies possessing it, or it possessing you. Well, what do you get? He lists three things that are particularly important that you should be believing to get. And the first he lists in verse 18 is that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. Now, imagine if you had a whole better look at all of that. But then the second thing, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, now there's something that most people know next to nothing about. We, we think about our inheritance. Hang on, what is this inheritance Christ has in us? You know, in the saints of glory. Um, and then the third thing, of course, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe, which Paul goes on to say is the same power raised Jesus from the dead. So in other words, there's a great deal of power to be had here, but it's not going to work unless you get this spirit of understanding or this revelation or this, this power to grasp it, power to take hold of it but it's it's not taken hold of so much with it's not physical you can't take hold of it with your hands it's this in the heart the heart takes hold of it hugely hugely important so anyway all I'm saying is you need power to receive so you get you get into these prayers we'll come back to this uh this one tonight but when when this comes now if you are in the ministry if you're called to leadership you're in five-fold something similar You will have been given an anointing, whether you know it or not, which I have for years and years simply called the Christ anointing. Because the purpose of an anointing, if you're called to that kind of leadership, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and the like, if you're called to that, what you're called to is headship ministry. Now, every every single believer is in the ministry, but every single believer is ministering to each other and to the world at large. This is a a priesthood, you are priests. Priests serve and priests sacrifice. Priests serve God, priests serve people, and priests, priests offer sacrifices. That's, in fact, it's core to the kingdom, central to the kingdom is that thing right there, every believer a priest. But if you're called to the fivefold ministry, you're called to an, an, a, an additional form of service you are now called to represent Christ who is the head of the body to the body. So everybody ministers to the body, but Christ also wants to minister to the body. He does this through a five-fold leadership he appoints, but for this you need a specific anointing, which I call the Christ anointing for want of you know a better handle on it. And what that does amongst other things is it gives you um, an ability to feel about the church as Christ feels about the church to see the church as Christ sees it you know to to love as Christ loves there's there's something in you of Christ and not not only that there's another thing that anointing connects you to the other fivefold ministers invisibly but it's powerful there is a a grace that the fivefold ministry is meant to be a single fabric, a single covering for the body of Christ. That's why pastors are meant to love each other deeply from the hearts more than anybody else loves each other deeply from the hearts. Anyway, that kind of different subject there, but there's this Christ anointing that you've been given. Now, if you're called into the ministry, you're given it at some point, but I'll tell you what it does. It, it changes the heart And here's an example of um, what it did in me. I was reading along one day in Psalm 105 at the New American Standard Bible, and it was about 1979. And I come across this passage that just grabbed me, and it became my prayer. I marked it in the Bible, scribbled a date on it, and to this day, it's stuck on the windowsill at home in front of my desk. And I like it in that New American Standard version, but this ESV version is very similar. Unbeknown to me at the time, I read it wrongly. I read it back to front. The guy was actually praying for himself, but I read it as him praying for God's people. And it's always been alive for me. But see, that's what that anointing does. Because in other words, the, I was reading words that touched on what was already in the heart, this this yearning for the people of God. So I'll show you what that actually says. This is Psalm 106, verses four to five. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. And it was the next verse that I found the most gripping prayer, in my mind, praying for the saints, praying for the church, that I may look upon, or the version I had, had, see that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation that I may glory with your inheritance and and for me in other words for me I wanted to see this in the body but um, what the guy was actually doing was praying praying to the effect that Lord when you do this for all your people you do it for me too that's the, the the literal meaning of it but I forget that, <clears throat> that it, was, it was that Christ anointing that did that the, the yearning was there and um, thank God for it so impartation um, I want to explain how impartation works and some of you might have heard me talk about this already it's too bad plenty of others haven't and this foundation is needed so we can get on to actual anointings I I didn't know, obviously, like everybody else, that you could actually take something that was in Christ and give it to someone else. But it turns out you can. And um, I already told you about the Ruth story, and, you know, little things like that happened along the way. So obviously there was a basic belief there that uh, you could, uh, well, the impulse of the Spirit was in things like that. But I started praying for people in my office uh, in the 90s. Well, people, lots of people used to come to talk about their problems in life, and I'd listen and then I would pray for them. And uh, you always want a nice way to end your prayers. So you always, you know, you're praying along and prayed over all the things that, that came up and then you pray to bless them and bless their family. But you're always kind of, you're always looking for some kind of benediction to put on your prayer, right? Make it sound like it had a, it had a nice completion, and so I developed this habit of placing the peace of the Lord Jesus on them, and I would take a hold of the peace of Christ and place it on their minds in, in my prayer and on their hearts and release it to them. It always took that formal words, you know, I place it upon them in the name of Jesus, release it to you. And I must have prayed this prayer a dozen or a few dozen times over people before people started reacting. And every single time I'd get this reaction, oh, you know, like something of power, something tangible, flooded into them. And, and it was transforming. I remember being in Brisbane for a meeting one night and, and some um, lady or man don't remember, filled with anxiety was in the prayer line. And I just released the peace over this person and it just bypassed all their worries, thought, and went deep to the heart. And you, you know, you saw a transformation. In fact, we had an American visitor here years ago. Um, Stephen, I can't think of his other name right now, but he he spent two weeks here with me, and he he learned about this this peace anointing I was placing on people and the amazing change it was making. And a few weeks after that, he was in Russia. And he's got a prayer line and in the prayer line he's got some Russian guy that is so troubled and so worried and so burdened. And that guy couldn't talk English and he couldn't talk Russian. And he's thinking, oh, what do I do? So he lays his hands on him and he prays. And, and, and he said he, he released over him the peace that he had received from John Alley in Rockhampton. He released it over him. And the power of God came on him and transformed the guy. (laughs) And the guy couldn't understand a word of it. No, no, this is miracle stuff. And I discovered, guess what I discovered? There's a peace anointing. Like it's tangible. No wonder Jesus said, say peace to this house. You know, and your peace will rest on it. No, this is power stuff. Well, I was enjoying the use of that for some years. And then I was visiting Chuck... Clayton in America one day and it was a Tuesday and he had a gathering of pastors and and others and it was one evening and I guess there were 40 50 people in the room and I'm just sitting down the front row but he suddenly says at the end of the meeting oh we've got John Alley here visiting from Australia you know John come up close in prayer and give us a blessing and I'm thinking oh you know what blessing do I have to give and uh, you feel a bit useless you know but anyway I came up and I thought oh well I'll at least I can end the prayer by sounding nice, you know, release the peace over them, you know. So this was the first time I ever released it in public as a, like as a group thing or a meeting thing. But that's how I ended the prayer and, you know, bring down the peace of the Lord Jesus upon the meeting, place it on the minds of everyone here, place it on the hearts of everyone here. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I release it. You know, I used to go and kind of do that for emphasis, you know. <laughs> but it's amazing in that moment, in that moment what just flooded people I went and preached in quite a few of those churches in the following weeks, everywhere I went the test knew it was the same and one pastor was there with his wife and about six or seven elders, there was a whole row of them, I mean I didn't know who they were but that was one of the churches I went to visit, it turned out the Holy Spirit fell upon the whole row, all in that moment and when I learned that I thought oh you beauty, I'm on pay dirt here, this is <laughs> like this, this is something right <laughs> and uh so I, I discovered what I then came to call the group anointing. I realised this is very powerful. Not only is it more powerful than when you go along a prayer line laying hands on people, it saves a lot of time. <laughs> you know, you can go home for supper. You know. <laughs> anyway, uh, this became my thing then, and it was just as well. In other words, it, it was a grace I discovered that was readily available probably to everybody, but and no doubt it was the Lord who caused me to discover it. These things aren't accidents, just in the development over the years of the ministry. And so I went many places then where uh, I, you know, that was one of the things I could do as a blessing for people, but I discovered it was not the only anointing you can release in group settings. And it was some years later when I had to release the spirit of understanding didn't we didn't know by name at that time over our own church I used that method and it it was amazing transformation but we'll uh, come back to that story another time and so what I discovered or what I came to realize was that when you have a meeting like this there is an anointing present the Holy Spirit is present and so there's a grace over the whole meeting everyone's sitting under the Word of God or you know the power of the Spirit in prayer so that's that's the group anointing if you like it's there it is grace over the body of people and that into that uh, into that anointing you can release blessings and so i discovered you can take a hold of pretty much anything i uh, whatever it is the lord wants to give i remember being at a baptist church in sydney and I mean, uh, some places I'd pray and there'd be a whole list of things. One after another, the Lord would have me release to them, and some places it was just a few things. But I remember that particular church, the Lord wanted me to, to take of the favour that He had given me, the favour that was on my life, and place it on that whole church and release it to them. It's astounding what you can do. I was in another meeting in um, Brisbane. It was a Wednesday afternoon, and it was uh, ostensibly a gathering of intercessors, there were about 30 people present, some pastors. And, and the rest were you know, ladies who were intercessors for uh, Logan City, it was. And um, whatever I was preaching about, probably about the idea of uh, you know the city church as one body and city eldership. In fact, I remember it was in that meeting that after two years of prayer, I got such a revelation while I was preaching of what city eldership was all about. But when it came to the end of that meeting, the thing the Lord wanted to give them was the spirit of humility. Now, it had never occurred to me before that you could obtain humility any other way except hard work. Like, you know, you pray for the Lord to make you humble, you're gonna get beat up kind of thing, you know? (laughs) You have gotta humble yourself and work at it, and you know, perhaps eventually, after a long, long time, you might have, you know, a a modicum of humility more than you had before. (laughs) But the most unusual thing happened. In this prayer time of impartation, the Lord had me take hold of the humility of Christ, this, the spirit of humility, an anointing for humility, and place it upon every single person there and release it to them. And in that moment, in the spirit, we had 30 people, and I th- saw 30 Jesuses, not, not the people, but him. What I saw was for every person in the room, Jesus was there 30 times, with his arm over their shoulder. And it was like the scripture that says, take my yoke upon you, and his arm was the yoke, and learn of me for I am gentle and humble, he said. And I, I learned it, man, even, even a thing like that, no, it's, a, it's grace that's required. None of us can be the things we're supposed to be without grace. You've got commands, you know, to be humble, to be loving, to be perfect like your father. You can't do any of those things today any better than you can do it yesterday if I just tell you be like that and you say, okay, I'll be like that. It doesn't work. I, I've, you know, in my youth I heard lots of sermons At, uh, over the years in the Salvation Army about loving one another, but nobody loved anybody more the next day than they did the day before. It didn't change a thing because it had, it, it lacked the grace or the power of the anointing that changes lives. To obey the commands of Jesus takes power. So you need the teaching because you need the truth. If you don't don't understand the truth, you won't order your way aright. You You won't choose right. But when you know the way aright and power comes on you, it's very transforming. You just live differently. It's quite astounding. So that's why anointing is important. That's why impartation is important. Well, these were some of the things I learned. Uh, about the nature of it. One more thing probably I could say that that would be helpful here, and it's with respect to the the nature, um, or or if you like, the attitude or the belief system of the person praying an impartation prayer. And it's the same whether you're in a prayer line and laying hands on people, or whether you're sitting in your office or the lounge at home and someone's there talking to you and you're gonna pray for them, or whether you're praying a group prayer over a meeting, there there are two elements that become critical in the heart or the thinking and in the words of the person praying the prayer, in other words, the minister. And one is that you set your heart to believe there is an anointing here, I have received it from the Lord, and I have the authority to give it right now. You must believe that and you must believe it even though most of the time you will feel nothing. There have been many occasions when I felt nothing. I prayed those prayers without feeling a thing. No inner or outward assurance other than the fact that I was willing to say this is what I'm supposed to do and I'm believing God. But I've had a lot of good feedback from people off meetings where I had no feelings at all. I remember being in one meeting and it was a Uniting Church meeting in the southern part of Brisbane somewhere and it was a Saturday evening from memory and I'd preached a while and then it came down to the prayer time and I got praying for them and, and praying all kinds of blessing and you know releasing graces to them and, and uh, you know, seeking to really lift them up in the prayers. I wasn't feeling a thing. I was just pouring myself the best way I could into praying for them. Halfway through the prayer, I suddenly thought of something I needed to explain. But Paul does this too, you can read the Bible, he does the same thing, breaks off. We get an example of him doing it while he's writing out a prayer. He breaks off, spends two whole chapters before he gets back to the prayer. But anyway, I stopped praying without saying amen, just, oh, by the way, you know, explain something that they needed to understand, went back to the prayer and prayed the other half. All the while, oblivious to whatever's going on, but got an amazing report to say, from eyewitnesses who were there in the meeting, that when I first began to pray, a breeze blew through that building. I never felt the breeze, but they all felt it, and it was so tangible that the papers pinned to the notice board were fluttering in the breeze. And when I stopped to explain something, the breeze stopped flowing and the paper stopped fluttering. And then when I went back and started the prayer again, the breeze kicked in again and the paper started fluttering again until I finished the prayer. So this is, look, it happened to me once in all of life. But why? Why, why, why? The Lord does it to show you something, right? To teach you something. If if you're so foolish as to look for it every time, you'll never get it. You take, you take from that, rather, instruction. Oh, you know, grace is at work, whether you feel it or not, see it or not, so get believing. Be very positive. In other words, if I, if I could use a, a crass expression, it's a confidence game. But then confidence is a Bible word. You know, draw near with boldness, he says, with confidence to the throne of grace. And you've got to bring this kind of Confidence in what you're doing. Sometimes you can, I mean, I, the two or three times in my life that I thought I preached the worst messages ever, I got great outcomes. And so it, I've discovered it doesn't even depend on me feeling like I've done a good job. You, you must believe. And so the, the ministering person. Uh, you know, angels are called you know, flames of fire sent out as God's ministers, you know, serve his people. Well, let me tell you the same word used in the Bible for angels is used for men and women that God sends out as his messengers, as his evangelists. And that's precisely the same word. And so there is a real sense in which you are, if you have been given a commission, you've been given a calling, you've been given the task of preaching the word of God, If you've been given the task of preaching the word of God, you've been given the task of praying with authority as well over people just as much. And I think you've got to believe, even if you don't feel the fire burning, that fire is burning. You are a a flame of fire. You're you're a minister of grace. And so the, the point of the, if we narrow this down to the point of the session, it was to believe that you can impart that you can pray and a gift will flow. And of course, the sky's the limit with respect to what giftedness can do. You may be praying for someone to be healed. You may be praying for someone to have the gift of healing. But you've got to take this place. uh, I've only covered one of the two points. And that is, so, so there's got to be this understanding in the heart, if you like, or this belief system in the heart. I can do this. I have authority to do this. This is the way it works. Grace is present whether I feel it or not. Here in this meeting, the Holy Spirit is... In other words, you you build yourself up in faith to say, "This this is the job I have along with preaching the word of God. Because you can release over congregations. Over a whole congregation, you can release the peace of the Lord. You can release graces and gifts and anointings. The Lord told me it's actually possible to release it over towns and villages and cities and states. And we ought to be exploring it. Now, obviously, you know, apostolic grace and authority may well be needed for some of that stuff, and it's best if we sometimes get together, you know, and agree. This is what we're going to believe for and release. But um, anyway, the, the power to impart, and I'm going to pray for you to have the power to impart, and then we're going to talk in, in the next, next session and tomorrow morning about some specific things that you can be imparting or, or praying for. I thought I would have gone a bit further in this session, It's always the way. Uh, anyway, we've probably, you know, we've, I thought I would have dealt with two subjects in this session, but I've dealt with one. However, it's, it's kind of like the foundational one. I don't mind having spent more time on it. The, the thing is to believe that the authority of Jesus is in you. When I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the one of the big things I was not expecting, but which I was given a truckload of, was authority. And from the beginning, people used to remark about the level of authority that was there, But because I never knew what it was for, and I wasn't especially conscious of it. But obviously, that was because that that being set aside for apostolic ministry, you know, which I didn't even know about for 15 years, was marked out by certain graces that were given right up front. I've explained in my chapter over here on miracles that every believer can work miracles, every pastor can work them, even false prophets can work miracles. The difference with apostles is they must. That is, if you've been given apostolic anointing, miracles come with the package. And that's really what happened with me. That's really what happened with that girl around the table. There was power and authority for miracles I didn't even know I had. Now I had to learn more. You had to grow in the use of it. You had to grow in faith. You know, it it wasn't gonna be automatic every day In fact, the Lord took me in hand that year to teach me how to pray so that my prayers would be answered. Most wonderful thing, and when I look back on that, I think, yeah, that must have been also because of the nature of the calling. Anyway, um, authority, you might say authority I came by more easily, but neither was it without really seeking the face of God to get the breakthrough in obtaining the baptism of the Spirit. I was determined, you know, night after night, day in, day out, believing God, I was determined to find that thing even though I didn't know how to find it. And um, it'll be the same for all of you with any of these aspects of ministry power, you can find it. You can obtain it. Most of us though, we become satisfied with the bit we've got used to. We're doing enough to make people around us happy and to keep ourselves happy. Whereas in fact, there's another whole wealth, wealth of opportunity. And I think of that scripture that says, "You know, all the rich treasures of wisdom and understanding are hidden in Christ and uh, there's an Old Testament scripture that says the fear of the Lord is the key to that treasure. And the fear of the Lord is just another way of saying, you know, the the humble, dependent heart that seeks after God. The um, riches, you know, riches of grace, available to us all, but the other thing probably to emphasize, but I'll do it more later, is you get what you ask for. Now admittedly I got some things in the package I had not asked for, but there was a unique calling. But scripture would say anybody can ask for them and you can have them also. So I'm gonna pray um, a simple prayer now because time is up. We will return to our subject and, and move on with it. But I think while you're sitting here, and uh, the subject is before us i want you to believe and by the way this was the other thing i discovered not only could i release anointings i could sit in a meeting and steal them the fellow didn't even have to be praying if you know if someone was ministering and they had a lovely anointing i could i could nick some of it I could I could steal it off him he wouldn't have any less but I could have you know a more grace and so I would simply believe God and drink you know and receive it. It, it it's always this active faith that makes the difference so in a simple prayer like this you know I believe to release a grace however uh, I'm meeting a lot of the with a lot of the ministers a lot of the pastors on monday and I, I will want more specifically to take time with, just to renew the prayers, you know, laying on of hands, things like that. So we, in other words, we've got a few days here to just keep pursuing this thing until you get uh, fully sheeted home, shall we say, in, in believing that grace has been granted in a, in a greater measure. Anyway, believe, believe with me now for authority to impart graces And Father, I thank you that authority is real because it's Christ. This authority has been established. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. All authority. Therefore, you go, he said. Which implies that all that authority rests on the going ones, the ones who are sent. I thank you. The authority of Christ is present right here, today, and in this minute. The authority of Jesus. And by the authority of the Lord Jesus, I place upon all the believers and all those online, I place upon you each the power of Jesus, the authority of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord, I release authority to you, authority in the word of God, authority in prayer. And I give to you in Jesus' name the power to impart The power to bless, the power to speak, the power to build up, the power to establish grace in other people, the power of words. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I activate it in you right now. I release this to you and declare you have the power, especially every leader in the ministry of Christ, you have the anointing, you have the power to activate gifts and to call people with callings, and to release graces, to release the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus in all its forms. In Jesus' name, I give you authority. Now, everybody, soak, soak the Spirit of God. Soak his presence. Just receive it to the heart. I thank you, Lord, you hear our prayers. Now I pray for every one of these ministers of Christ, ministers of the word of God, establish the word of your authority in them all the more. Thank you that you hear our prayers. So amen. on the receiving end, what makes a difference is simply what you think, what you believe. Um, anyway, uh, sorry to disturb the reverie but um, we're going take a little break and um, yes. <laughs> I do this to people but anyway if you want to sit for a little while that's fine if you want to go get coffee that's fine too and um, we will come back when you hear the sound of all kinds of music that's the time to, to run back again